everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Driving the Deal. I'm Brian Fortune, head of the Farragut Square Group. My uh, usual partner in podcasting, Chris Whirling, is off on vacation this week. But we have a very special guest today because we will be talking about the physician fee schedule. Uh, today, to walk us through all of those points, uh, is going to be Farragut's uh, very own analyst who covers this, Holly Stokes. Welcome, Holly. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. So once again, for everybody, before we dive in, those of us who invest in physician specialty practices understand that pretty much all payments under Medicare to those practices is governed by the physician fee schedule, which CMS updates on an annual basis. The rule comes out in about July, and then it gets finalized around early November, and then it takes effect in January. It has been the subject of quite a bit of controversy over the last few years usually prompting congressional interventions. And so we'll be talking about all of those things. But before we get into the meat of all of that, why don't we just kind of go high level, Holly, and give us the overview of the PFS and in terms of why it's important and, and how it affects the payments. Yeah, that is a great starting point. So essentially, the physician fee schedule sort of sets this roadmap for how CMS is going to reimburse physicians and practitioners in the coming year. And under the PFS, each service is going to be assigned a specific work, practice expense, and malpractice RVU. And those are all summed together and multiplied against a conversion factor. The RVUs can change year to year and code by code based on either a targeted review, which typically happens due to a RUC survey or a designation of being potentially misvalued, or they can change because of macro pressures. With regard to the conversion factor, this serves as a singular multiplier across all service lines. And very importantly, the PFS does not include an inflationary update. And so the conversion factor doesn't increase the way that many other provider fee schedules does. Additionally, because increases or decreases in RVUs cannot result in a net change in spending within the PFS by more than 20 million in a given year, CMS will often negatively adjust the conversion factor to maintain budget neutrality. So essentially, when the PFS comes out each year, we are looking at three primary things. How is the conversion factor changing across all codes? Is CMS doing anything that will exert a macro force on our view values? And for code by code analysis, is CMS doing anything that will exert a targeted force on the RVU values? An excellent overview. So when you kind of break it down that way, I think it's probably fair to say that what we've seen for the last few years is that there's been moving parts in all three of those buckets. So my, my hat is off to you because, you know, in, in writing about this this year, you were speculating that a lot of these parts would continue to move. So why don't we kind of walk through some of those key areas that, you know, still have movement or have new things changing and then just kind of map that to uh, some of your own expectations. Absolutely. So under the proposed rule, CMS is calling for a net 3.4% cut to the conversion factor, which would be applied across all codes. With regard to macro forces on the RVU values, CMS is continuing its policy of repricing clinical labor inputs in the practice expense RVUs from 2022 to 2025. Effectively, that means services that are relatively 
heavy on clinical labor are going to see tailwinds. That goes for things like primary care, whereas services that are relatively light will see headwinds. And that tends to be something like vascular or interventional radiology with the understanding that, of course, the impact is going to vary by an individual assets, code by code utilization, and their site of service. One other really important thing to note about the macro forces on our view values in comparison to sort of where it could have gone was that in 2023 rulemaking, CMS began floating this idea that they may rebase the Medicare economic index. That would shift how they weight our views so that the practice expense RVU would become relatively heavier with the work and malpractice RVU becoming relatively lighter. And this would be quite disruptive where most PPMs would see a tailwind in the office, but headwinds to professional reimbursement in the facility setting. Very importantly, in this year's proposal, they note that they continue to have interest in this, but they are not calling for implementation in 2024. They want to have more time to consider new data and comments from stakeholders. And so the 2024 proposal wasn't as disruptive to the RVUs on a macro scale as it could have been. Instead, some of that's going to be shifted into future years rulemaking. Finally, thinking about that sort of code-by-code code RVU changes, there was definitely quite a bit of movement with CMS proposing a lot of changes to codes included in imaging, pain management, urology, cardiovascular, behavioral health. And what I would really encourage here is that people can reach out to Farragut and we can talk about individual assets and their codes to talk about whether there's any sort of targeted change. Oh, that's right. Lots of movement at the specialty specific level for code set. But let's go back. Let's start off with, with item one, the most controversial element of the update. And that would be there's another, this 3.4% cut to the conversion factor, like another one driven by this budget neutrality. Walk us through kind of their math on that. And then let's talk about the outlook. You know, in, in previous years, CMS kind of escalated that cut and tended to culminate in Congress having to intervene toward the end of the year. So uh, are we seeing something similar this time? Yeah, that's definitely true. So for your first point of uh, where is that math coming from, the 3.4% cut is really due to two primary forces. There's the phased-in impact of 2021 ENM changes and a proposed add-on ENM code. The phased-in impact of the 2020 ENM changes essentially reflects Congress's decision that you mentioned to continually intervene via December uh, end-of-year rulemaking and spread out the budget neutrality adjustment from 2021 to 2025. Most recently, in December 2022, they spread out the remaining cut such that 2% was in 2023 and a slated 1.25% cut was per year in 2024 and 2025. So essentially 1.25% of the 3.4% net cut was really already understood by stakeholders and baked in by Congress. The remaining 2% cut is driven by CMS's proposal to relaunch and add on ENM code, which they initially proposed in 2021 rulemaking, but was put on a congressional moratorium until 2024. One important thing to note about the code is that stakeholders were able to work with CMS over the moratorium to get CMS to revise down their utilization assumptions such that a smaller budget neutrality adjustment is being proposed in 2024 than they initially proposed in 2021. Another thing to consider is that while all specialties would have to work against that conversion factor cut, primary care-like specialties would have some opportunity to use the add-on code and essentially help offset some of that net pressure, whereas surgery specialties are going to have less occasion to utilize 
utilize the add-on code and would see more net pressure. And then finally, when we think about that 3.4% cut, I would also really emphasize that you can't just take CMS's sort of estimates on the impact at face value because in their specialty impact table, they have chosen to exclude 1.25% of the cut from that table. Effectively, that means that if you are reading CMS's proposals on what this means, it is going to look artificially softer than what providers would actually face. All of that sort of brings me to the outlook for congressional intervention. We believe it is very possible that Congress will once again intervene to provide relief. Likely this would occur in December after the finalization of the rule that you mentioned in November. If Congress intervenes, they could choose to either inject in funds to help phase in the cut over a two to three year period, or they could choose to put the add-on code on another moratorium, essentially meaning only that 1.25% cut of pressure would come. One thing I do want to note is that while we believe congressional relief is very possible, the 3.4% cut proposed is significantly softer than what we've seen proposed in recent years, where there were proposals for a 10.2% cut in 2021, a 3.8% cut in 2022, a 4.5% cut in 2023, and all of those were made even sharper by the proposed 4% PAYGO cuts in 2022 and 2023, and the return of the 2% sequester in mid-2022. What that really means is that while physician stakeholders still have a lot of interest in getting relief to this cut, the fire under Congress's feet isn't quite as hot as it has been in prior years. Well, that's good to know. Although it also helps that it's smaller. They don't have to find as much money to offset a fix if they, they choose to do one. Go through that a little more. I mean, I you know, you had commented when it came out that CMS definitely I think had an eye towards sticker shock and they they seemingly tried to implement new policy or proposed to implement new policy with with a little more kid gloves than they have in the past, but uh, but kind of break that down on some of the things in their own model. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to revising those utilization assumptions for the add-on code, they also really made a choice to punt most of their more controversial provisions into future year rulemaking and making the rule a little bit tamer than what it could have been. So we already talked about how they were punting that decision on rebasing the Medicare Economic Index, but some of the other controversial provisions that they decided not to finalize were a change to how CMS pays for skin substitutes. That is a very controversial provision that they are going to take another year to think about. And the agency has decided that they will not finalize this change in how to determine the billing practitioner for split E&M visits. And so while there is pressure under this rule, it's not as maybe draconian as it could have been based on 2023 proposals. Gotcha. So one thing we always talk about, as well as in, in, in your own writing on it, is that, you know, all these changes, you know, on the surface, you've got this kind of 3.4% cut to everybody. But the way that all of this filters through to specialty specific can, can vary pretty widely. So why don't you throw out a few specialties that, that are, you know, either better off or, or worse off in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, so two kind of winners in all of this are going to be primary care, especially those focused on health equity and behavioral health. 
a sort of mixed bag would be something more like imaging where there is pressure from clinical labor and the conversion factor, but there are some changes to specific um, AUC rules. So digging into behavioral health, CMS is implementing a number of statutorily required expansions, including coverage to marriage and family therapists and mental health uh, counselors, increases to reimbursement for mobile crisis services, and new coverage for intensive outpatient services, but they are also proposing some of their own decisions, including a large reimbursement increase for time-based psychotherapy codes. With respect to health equity, that has been a really big focus under the Biden administration, and CMS is calling for creating coding and payments for community health integration services, principal illness navigation services, and social determinants of health risk assessments, all of which would create new reimbursement opportunities when helping traditionally underserved populations access care. Thinking about imaging, you know, it's a mixed bag. Like I said, there is some pressure from clinical labor. They're not going to be able to use the sort of add on EM code as much. But on the positive, CMS is proposing to pause the appropriate use criteria program and rescind current regulations, really reflecting that the agency has found it is essentially impossible to do real-time claims-based reporting as required under statute. Interesting. Another topic that's been very relevant during the pandemic and then coming out of it as the PHE has ended is on the subject of telehealth. So this rule had more commentary on telehealth. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah, a lot of the proposals on prolonging PHE telehealth flexibilities through 2024 reflect the policies that Congress mandated in the December 2022 omnibus, but there are a couple of noteworthy new updates. The first is that CMS is proposing moving away from a three-category system of telehealth coverage of codes to a binary where they would either designate a code as permanent or as provisional on the list of telehealth coverage. The other notable change is a proposal to pay for telehealth in a patient's home under the higher non-facility rate as opposed to the lower facility rate that's been traditionally paid to telehealth. And that is a big win for telehealth providers. Well, that was an excellent breakdown. So wrapping up, Holly, on this, you know, obviously, if you are in a physician specialty world, it seems like you're most concerned about, you know, an additional cut to the conversion factor, and then be breaking out kind of how some of the relative value changes are going to net out, correct? Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. Top of mind is going to be some kind of relief to the conversion factor. And then, you know, if you're looking at a specific asset or you're looking at your portfolio, you can always call us and we can talk about where individuals are going to shake out on this. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping you busy, especially as this year keeps getting busier and busier. So for everybody, thank you, Holly, as always. I know everyone enjoys your keen insights. And she also authored a note recently on the rule, which uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Holly, but you updated the table for the things that CMS left out. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We do our own specialty impact table. We did only a handful of specialties, so we can always you know, talk to you about other ones, but you can see how CMS's estimates compared to the actual net effect that providers would feel. Yeah, no, no, very helpful. And well, I, I just have a few uh, housekeeping announcements, everybody. First off, mark your calendars. If you haven't already, you should have gotten an invitation to our big McDermott HPE Healthcare Private Equity Conference in New York. That is October 13th. That is also the week of the Kane Brothers Conference. So I imagine that I will see many of you in New York 
and uh, we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, also, on the Farragut content side, I would encourage you, if you haven't seen it already and you care about pharma services, to look for our recent note and analysis, which came out uh, around the time that all these rules came out. So it might have gotten buried in your inbox, but we have a lot of updated thoughts on IRA drug pricing, 340B, the latest on PBMs, and then also on 503A and B compounding. And happy to send that again if you guys are interested, but otherwise look for it in your inboxes. Uh, on the podcast front, look for our next episode is the always popular Bankers Corner, where we'll be catching up with Mark Francis from Wuhan Loki about the accelerating state of the market and how to look forward to the back half of the year. And lastly, we'll be doing some more webinars coming up. First couple will be in-depth look at dermatology where Holly and some executives will be kind of building on impacts of the space and what's been going on on the regulatory reimbursement front. And then uh, lastly, all of our great analysts, including our managed care team and all of our other analysts will be doing a webinar where we walk through our outlook for the back half of this year. So thank you as always for joining us and thank you Holly for being here today. We always enjoy Enjoy these and hope everybody is having a great summer and I will talk to you again on our next episode. Thank you. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2022, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.